Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. I always tell investors, if you get the right market and you time it right, that can forgive any mistakes you make as an operator. Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm your host, Joe Cornwell, and today I am joined by Sarah Sullivan. She's the CEO of Sugo Capital. They are an investment firm that works for their investors, but to provide value to everyone. They are investing in multifamily. She also invests in energy, forex, and gold. Based in the San Francisco market, it is her first time on the show. Sarah, welcome. Thanks for having me, Joe. Excited to be here. This is one of the best ever podcasts, obviously, so happy to be here. <laughs> well, we appreciate your time. Since it is your first time here, why don't you tell us a little bit more about your background, where you came from, and how you initially got into real estate? Yeah, it was definitely not a straight line. I didn't intend to get to where I am. It just happened organically which is kind of nice because it's, it's the perfect fit. So I started out, I got my MBA, I went to business school, I'm marketing and finance, and I was working in tech startups in Silicon Valley. And that was my career. And I saw a lot of people around me who were not working all day like I was. <laughs> so I was like, hey, what are you guys doing? And a lot of them had either made money in real estate or they had exited their companies and then invested in real estate. And then they were living off the income from their real estate. And I was like, well, they got it right, right? Here I am working 12 hours a day, commuting an hour. So I started learning from people just in my neighborhood and then started taking coaching programs. And I was definitely buying single family homes in other markets is going to get me out of my job. I got a few of those and the headaches were real. I was like, no way. This is not for me. Being in California, the math doesn't work. So you invest outside of California. And it was just too much of a headache. So a few years later, I shifted into multifamily as a passive investor. And then I just thought it was the best thing. I started telling friends and family. So it organically grew that I was telling people about this great thing that I found. And I partnered up with the people I was investing with. And that's when we took off. So in 2019, Sugo Capital formed. A couple of years later, I quit working in Silicon Valley and went full-time into my company. 
And since then, we have acquired 36 apartment complexes, and these are 100 to 400 units in size. We have an oil and gas investment fund, and then we have a couple hedge funds around Forex and gold. So it's been a great adventure. We have a large, thriving investor community, and it's been super fun, and the momentum is just getting started. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah, that's definitely a lot of growth in a short amount of time. What markets were you investing in as a single-family investor? Indiana, so Indianapolis. And the numbers were great, actually. The 2% rule was really common when we were making our purchases. For us, the difficult part was living in San Francisco, trying to get to, uh, so what happened was in the beginning, we didn't do great due diligence on our property management companies. So they were not doing a great job. They put bad tenants in there. We couldn't get in touch with the companies. And getting on a flight and going over, I have a full-time job and kids and all that, it was two, three legs to get over to Indianapolis. And so it was just such a headache to try to maintain those properties from far away. But it doesn't mean the markets were bad. The markets were actually okay. It was just the people involved in our distance from it. Yeah, that makes sense. And what markets did you start investing in when you were raising capital? When we started getting into multifamily, we focused in the Carolinas as emerging markets. So specifically Columbia, South Carolina was where we acquired our first six properties. So I had a couple of business partners there who had great broker relationships and we teamed up and just took down a whole bunch of deals and it was great. We ended up selling them last year and investors got between a, a 30 and 45% annualized return because it was the right time. It was all the market. It wasn't us. It was time in the market. So I always tell investors, if you get the right market, and you time it right, that can forgive any mistakes you make as an operator. Super important. Yeah, definitely. So you started buying those in 2019, correct? Correct. Texas is also a market that we started buying and are still acquiring in. So primarily we'll focus in Dallas for 2024. But between then and now, Georgia, Alabama, some more in Indiana, but this time apartment complexes with great property managers instead of shoddy ones. <laughs> so a bit all over the Sun Belt, Florida. Okay. And what does your company look like today? How is it structured? What does your team look like? What is your role day to day? I try to outsource as much as possible. And my philosophy is if you bring someone in-house as an employee, especially me being in California, that's a big commitment. <laughs> However, if you have a part-time person who's outsourced and they're part of a larger firm that is actually managing them, it makes it a lot less for you to manage. Managing employees is a lot more work than managing a vendor. So I definitely prefer to outsource as much as I can. So we have about five folks who are Sugo Capital and then everything else is outsourced. We don't have property management in-house. We have regional contracts for that. We outsource everything. So it's small. We have investor relations in-house because we need to maintain those relationships. We have marketing in-house and then everything else, legal, compliance, accounting, all of that outsourced. Okay. And today, what is your main responsibilities or what do you typically work on or focus on? Oh, me day in and day out, running the team, picking the next investments, mostly taking a look at what's happening in the market. What markets do we need to exit? What markets do we want to enter? And when I say markets, I don't just mean real estate market. I also mean other asset classes. So kicking off funds in completely different, unrelated to real estate markets, 
We're launching a cash flow business fund. So there's all these things that you need to look at as an investor personally. So I just amplify it for my investors. I'm always doing research for investors. What's up and coming? What do we need to close down and get out of? Those sort of things. So that's my main day to day. That's probably about half and then half is running the team and doing the marketing and investor relations with them. And how are you guys marketing today? We do everything email marketing. You'll find me on LinkedIn, but other than that, I'm not on social. I do everything through email marketing. So we do educational events and that's how we reach our audience. And we educate, educate, educate. And I'm a big advocate, no matter what industry you're in, no matter what you're doing, giving value to your clients does two things. You know, like and trust, they know how smart you are. If you're teaching them, if you're giving them value, they also appreciate it and they feel like they can trust you and and they want to give back to you in some way. So it's a win-win. Yeah, that's interesting. Most of the syndicators that we talk to, operators, people who raise funds for various asset types, almost all of them have some sort of marketing via social media, whether it's short form, long form, LinkedIn, but your company has been strictly email-based. So how are you driving people to connect with you, get on your list, et cetera? How does that work? It's all through our events. So we market the events that we put on. And everyone who comes into those events, then they're on the email list and they get the continued nurture. Okay. So they're registering for these. Yeah. We tried other things and it just really didn't have the conversion because seeing snippets of you online, you see so many snippets of so many people online, but if you educate and you have someone come into an event and they watch you for an hour and a half, they have a much better understanding of who you are, what's in your brain, how smart you are, not smart you are. those sort of things. And I guess it depends too on who your investors are. So our investors are usually later in life are already retired. So they more often do have the time to sit in our longer educational events. So perhaps people who are younger and they were me 10 years ago with the little kids and the job, they're like, I'm not sitting through an hour and a half of education. So I guess it depends really on who your target market is. Yeah, that's definitely an interesting concept. Mm-hmm. So When you are putting on these educational events, are these in person? Are these all remote? All online. Internet-based? Okay. Mm -hmm. All internet-based. And we've done some in-person events. And if you look at the ROI, being an investor, ROI of time and money, and then conversions after the fact, it's much, much stronger doing online events. Now, with your role, it sounds like you head up acquisitions and management of your team. What are you projecting in the real estate market in 2024? There's definitely been a softening, and I think it's going to continue to soften, at least in the multifamily space. So I don't know the other asset classes. I don't study them. I don't watch them. But every month I look at all the markets that we have properties in, and I look at the occupancy and the average rent, and what are they doing? Are they going up and down? And so typically we see about a 3% market increase per year in the U.S. Last year, year over year, actually at the end of 2023, year over year, it was about negative 2%. The year before in 2022, it was 16%. So wow, it's going all over the place. So some people might think, well, we went up 16% instead of 3%. So we could go negative for some years and still get back to stabilization. I don't know if we're going to drop drastically. I don't think so. But I think there may continue to be a softening. And I think it's even more important to look at the markets you're in. Because some markets, when you look at them, they've dropped 15% year over year. And some markets have increased 15% year over year. So that's a huge range. 
So I predict, but overall on average in the U.S. is softening in rents. And then also there's been a softening in occupancy as well. So really strong markets like Dallas and Houston that typically saw 95, 97% occupancy are now seeing 92% occupancy. And if you're not really in this industry, you're like, oh, it's 5%. Well, it's a lot. <laughs> it makes a big difference. If you have a 5% drop in occupancy on your 200 units, especially if you're getting all the insurance rate hikes, all the property tax hikes that we've been seeing, the interest rate hikes. So with all those hikes, and then you see a little bit of drop in occupancy, it really, really lowers the profit margin for operators, especially if you have the preferred return for your investors. So you're giving them most of the profit, making sure they're getting that. What I see though is, especially right now in Q1, I see this really strongly that sellers are waiting. So they're holding out longer than they might otherwise want to because they have seen it's going to be a decrease in interest rates. There might be four decreases in interest rates. So they're hoping if I hold on to my property longer, interest rates decrease, I get a higher selling price. So I see a lot of people holding on and not negotiating. So we don't have anything in the pipeline right now for that exact reason. In 2022, we acquired 16 properties. 2023, we acquired three properties. <laughs> 2024, back to your question about predictions, I'm banking on other investments far, far superseding the real estate investments in 2024. Now, a lot of people are saying, hey, it's going to be the comeback year. It's going to be amazing, all these distressed sellers. But really, the number of distressed sellers as a percent of the market is not huge. So especially in multifamily, a lot of multifamily is held by family office or institutions. So they don't care about the interest rates if they don't have any loans. They bought all cash, whatever. So they're just going to hold it till later. So I don't think there's going to be a huge bloodbath. There are definitely going to be some, but everyone's going to be going after them. So that's going to raise the prices. So there's going to be some good finds if you can find them. But the inventory of what's for sale is going to be super low. Yeah, couldn't agree more. What people have been saying the last year or so is they're waiting for this big rush of inventory and there's going to be, I've heard many different things of what they think is going to create all this opportunity. And I agree. I don't think it's going to be enough to move the needle, so to speak, on really increasing volume. I think the rates coming down over the next year will help a little bit, but not enough where all the appetite out there to buy multifamily is going to be satisfied. So what's interesting to me and what's different about your business and your setup than most of the people we talk to is that you do have alternative investments. Now, is this something that your investors with Sugo Capital, basically when they come to you to invest, they know there's opportunities for other things? Are these individualized funds? How does that actually work? Let's just say I came to you and I said, hey, I want to invest $100,000. What would that look like and what would my options be? Today, we maintain three asset classes. So we have the real estate, we have the oil and gas, and we have hedge funds. So we have those three asset classes. And we're looking to introduce the fourth, the small business fund, cash flowing business fund. And it came about totally organically. So at the end of 2022, I was like, oh my gosh, the end of 22 was where everyone lost their hair and went gray, right? <laughs> Things falling out of contract two days before closing. All these crazy things, interest rates going up two days before closing, LTVs going down two days before closing. It was crazy, right? And so at the end of 2022, I was like, oh, uh, we can't do the same volume next year. If this is what it looks like, it's not a good time. There'll be a great heyday for real estate again, 
but it's not 2023. <laughs> so we're getting close to about 20,000 investors in our community. So I went to them and I said, hey, I'm invested in these other things personally. If I create opportunities for you to join with me in these other investments, would you like that? So we did a survey and it was a resounding, yes, please. We need something else that you've vetted. And so it came about very organically where I said, okay, well, we're going to create an opportunity around this because this is what I'm personally invested in. This is how it fits into my investment portfolio. I was really wonky. I was 90% in multifamily as far as my net worth. And so I was like, okay, I'm pretty exposed here to market trends that affect multifamily directly affect my entire net worth. So I wanted to get it closer to 60% of my net worth in multifamily. So I was pulling it out and putting in these other asset classes and building an investment portfolio like a family office would. So then I simply started sharing them with our community. So yes, today we offered one, it was a hit. We offered another, it was a hit. So today, whatever I find and I do due diligence on myself and I invest in it and I've invested in it for years and it's been a strong winner, create a fund around it, package it up, offer to our investors. So to answer your question, yes, when you go into our investor portal, you can see the different asset classes and they're there. And we have an ROI calculator, which is really cool because someone can plug in I'm going to put in 100 in this investment, 50 in that investment, and 250k in that investment. And what does it look like over five years? Because they're all different for cash flow appreciation. Some have tax benefits, some don't. So it calculates that all for you. And that's on the front page of our website, sugocapital.com, if anyone wants to take a look at that. It's really useful because you just see how it works over five years if you plug your portfolio amounts in there. We'll get back to the show with the first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Are you looking to raise money from private investors to buy commercial real estate? Syndicationattorneys.com is here to guide you every step of the way. At syndicationattorneys.com, they do more so you can do more. They create real estate syndication and fund offering documents, but they also educate you on the ins and outs of raising private money, ensure your offerings comply with security laws, and help you structure fair deals with investors so everybody wins. With reasonable lump sum fees and over $2.75 billion in security offerings created, syndicationattorneys.com has the expertise you need. But that's not all. Syndicationattorneys.com also offers weekly attorney-led masterminds, networking, and strategy sessions through their pre-syndication consulting agreements. To learn more, visit syndicationattorneys.com today to get started. And this offer is not available to Florida residents. With this being obviously a different model, how does it work for your company? How do you guys collect fees off the investment? How do you benefit from some of these ancillary different type of investment vehicles since it's not your typical syndicator structure? Yes, good question. So we do an equity split. So we don't take fees up front, but we do an equity split. So for instance, our hedge funds, a lot of times people do a 220, meaning they get 2% asset management fee every year of assets under management and split the equity that they get 20%. We don't take any asset management fees. We don't take any upfront fees. It's strictly on performance. So we split the profit with investors. If we don't make any profit, we don't make any money. It boils my blood when people take an asset management fee and then have a negative return for investors. Like you're not doing your job at all. <laughs> so I always rant about it. So I can't do that myself. You take an asset management fee just because we're only going to make money if we make a profit for our investors. Wow, that's very interesting. That's a very unique model. And I don't know anyone else doing that. I don't know if you do, but that is definitely a unique strategy. 
We intentionally did that because we see so much with people who have their funds at Wells Fargo or Morgan Stanley and they have fees at the end of every year and a lot of them have been experiencing over the last few years negative returns and they're still paying the fees. So if you can turn around and say to them, I'm not going to take any fees unless I make you money and here's my track record, it's much better than what you've been getting over the last couple of years. It's a no-brainer. I think it really aligns incentives of the investment manager and the investor to do it that way. Investors love it. Yeah, and I don't want to get too into the legal structure weeds and things like that, but is this something where, are these still considered securities? Is this like typical security registration like you would have with a syndication? Is there any particular licensing you need to invest in these other types of assets? Yes, we do. When we branched out of real estate and into public commodities like Forex and gold, then you do need a license. So our chief investment officer for those funds, he has his series three license and series 34 specifically for Forex. So yeah, but it's the same structure. It's still Reg D 506 C. It just has the layer of registration with the National Futures Association as opposed to real estate, which is really easy. You can spin up a fund in 30 days, you launch it, you're good to go. The hedge funds have so many more steps with the regulatory bodies in the US. So it takes a lot longer to launch. <laughs> but it's worth it because the profit margins are much higher. Yeah, like I said, very unique. You're definitely opening my eyes to some different possibilities out there. Mm -hmm. So as I mentioned before we started here, we are doing a new segment and we are asking our guests what their superpower is, whether it's a trait, a strategy, a tactic, about you personally and your business, and what would you consider your superpower? I don't just believe this is my superpower. I've been told by hundreds of our investors that this is my superpower and why they invest with us is because I can take a really complex concept or a complex structure or a complex investment and boil it down and present it very simply so that they totally get it and understand it and then Whatever you understand, you're more likely to invest in. If you don't understand it, you're not going to invest in it. And I think that comes from, I was a teacher for about five years. I ran a circus school and I taught aerial arts. So when you're teaching aerial arts, if your students get something wrong, they fall on their head from the sky, that's really bad. So I had five years of five days a week, I was explaining something and I practiced and practiced explaining it so people really, really understood it because it was life or death. <laughs> Not to be extreme here, but it's a dangerous thing. And yeah. I've taken that skill into explaining investments and it's kind of similar. It's not life or death, but it really affects your life if you make a poor investment or you make an investment and you thought it was gonna be completely different and your money's locked up, you didn't realize it was gonna be locked up, you thought it was gonna be cash flow, there's no cash flow. You can make some serious mistakes that impact your life if you don't fully understand what you're investing in. So I think that's, that's been a really strong contender for our success at Suco Capital. Yeah, and I don't know who said this quote, and I'm probably gonna butcher it, but there was something I heard a long time ago where it was like, the wise man or woman isn't the smartest person, but it's the one who can best explain how smart they are to other people or, or <laughs> you know, make them understand what you understand is actually the more intelligent person. And I know I butchered that completely, but hopefully that concept makes sense where 
taking really complex layers and dissecting it so the common denominator and the common people can understand it is what shows true intelligence. So that's a unique skill set, and that's the first time I've heard that one, so I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, welcome. Is there anything else you want to add or cover before we transition to the lightning round? Yeah, I will say one of your earlier questions around the backstory of Sugo Capital, and I didn't have a dream that I was going to build an investment firm, and I didn't set out to build an investment firm. It all came organically in a very roundabout zigzag line. So a lot of people ask, oh, well, you had a lot of success very quickly, but it was because I had years of trying a whole bunch of different things, and along the way, I gained a lot of skills. And now I am very clear on what my skills are and what my skills are not. And I see a lot of people out there trying to do everything themselves. And you're not good at everything yourself. So especially in the beginning, finding partners and forming business partnerships where they have an expertise that is completely different from your expertise and they're symbiotic, that is the best way to get started. And that's how I really launched in the beginning. Now we do a lot of stuff on our own because now I have enough funds to hire people to do those things, keep more of the profit. But I wanted to share that because if I had thought about partnering earlier, I would have been more successful earlier, but I tried to do everything on my own in the beginning. (laughs) So I want to share that partnerships can really launch you. Find someone who's 10 years ahead of you, figure out how you can add value to them and their business model, team up, learn from them, get that track record under your belt, and then you can take off later on your own. And the name Sugo Capital, I'm going to make a guess, your last name Sullivan, and that is part of the Sioux, is that right? That is, and Go is Gogoli, and Gogoli is the last name of our chief investment officer, who's also heading up all the trading funds around Forex and gold. Gotcha. Well, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I wasn't way off there. Yeah. <laughs> we thought Sullivan Gogoli would be quite a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah, no, it yeah. definitely rolls off better with the Sugos. Awesome. Well, let's transition to the best ever lightning round. You ready? Do it. Yeah. What is your best ever book recommendation? I'm sure everyone says this, but Rich Dad, Poor Dad. (laughs) It was the catalyst, right? Lately, though, I've been reading Alter Ego, and I think that book is really powerful. If you found you've plateaued or you've reached your goals and you're not sure where to go next, which is what happened with Sugo Capital, I exceeded all my goals. I'm like, well, now I'm not really sure where to go next. And reading that book helped me see a clearer future and then go towards it. So alter ego. Best ever way you like to give back. Mm. I'm going to try to not get emotional. When I was in circus school, I performed with a performance partner and she's from the Ukraine. She has a nonprofit that provides resources for people who have been displaced or injured during all the war that's been happening. So Sugo Capital, once or twice a year, we do a fundraiser and whatever our investors give to that, we match it and then Google matches it with us. So it's really a 3X of what someone provides. Individuals donate, we are able to 3X that investment and save three times more lives. And it's a lot of civilians and families and people who just are trying to live their life, not even associated with military who are the folks that are trying to get resources to, to enhance their lives and let them keep living. Yeah, that's powerful stuff. We'll make sure that that link is included as well in the show notes when you give us your company information. Thank you. And give me a mistake you've made on one of your investments and the lesson you learned from it. 
Ooh, okay, this one's really, really, really important. And I, I think investors do this all the time. You invest with someone and you do a lot of due diligence in the beginning. And then you're like, hey, I've done my due diligence on this team. I don't really need to do more due diligence on them. But then the company grows, team members change, morales change, way they do business changes. So one of my biggest, I don't know if it, I would call it a mistake, but biggest impacts was a partner and they changed team members. The executive team changed. And I kind of just assumed it would be just the way it was before. Completely different people, completely different way of doing business, completely different morals. So for me, it was not doing continuous due diligence on my business partners. And I've heard from a lot of investors because I shared that with my investor community. I'll keep doing due diligence on me. Keep doing due diligence on everyone you invest with because as we grow, we have more partners, we have more people on our team. And you want to make sure that as that happens, it's more than like, I could be a good investor, but am I good at hiring honest people? Am I good at ensuring that my team members are compliant? That's a whole nother different set of skills that you need to keep an eye on for your business partners and people you invest with if you're a passive investor. So I'd say continuous due diligence on teams, partnerships, people you invest with, all that kind of stuff. Don't stop with one time. Yeah, that's great advice and something I had not even really considered. So we appreciate you sharing that with us. So last question is, where can people learn more about you and connect with you? SugoCapital.com has all of our resources. But something that is really condensed and designed to give new folks all the best information that we have, all the best education that we've given, if folks go to FreedomIn3.com, it's freedom, I-N, the number three, dot com. It's a series that we put together. It's just three videos in this series. But you do tons of webinars. You do tons of education. And you get feedback from investors like, wow, that changed my strategy. So all those things that we got feedback on that were like, wow, that was really life-changing. We put that all in there. So if you sign up, freedom in three, and it's the number three, Com. You just put in your name and email address and you get direct access to it right away. That's a really great place to start as an investor. And then we'll get to know each other over time. Very good. And we'll be sure to link to that as well. Sarah, I really appreciate you sharing all your different strategies you're working on. Like I said, it's definitely a unique perspective. It's something I have not heard. So I know I learned a lot. I hope our audience did as well. Listeners, if you did get value from today's show, please leave us a five-star review. Make sure you're following us on social media. And Sarah, thank you again so much for joining us today. Oh, everyone who's listening, thank you so much. Joe, thank you so much for interviewing me. Very happy to be here. It was fantastic. Thank you for the opportunity. Hi, best ever listeners. Joe Fairless here again. And one last thing before you go, would you like to receive a short weekly email with proven tips from experienced investors, free tools and resources, and a roundup of the week's most relevant news and best ever content? Well, if so, join the community of nearly 15,000 commercial real estate passive and active investors who receive the best ever newsletter. Just go to bestevercre.com forward slash access and you'll get the very next one. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, thank you for listening and have a best ever day.